Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of 15-Minute Devotional. This is an online video and podcast series for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. For our viewers on Facebook and YouTube and for listeners to Melvin Gaines's Faith Channel. We appreciate you being here today for this uh, episode. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to be covering the uh, programming for the reading daily reading for Wednesday, September the 20th. 2023 and it's an encouragement for you just to continue to get into god's word and stay in his word for the purpose of growing in the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ now just so you know our church encourages uh, participation in the two-year bible reading plan it allows for the reader to cover the bible over a two-year period a little bit easier to manage such a plan in our devotional here, we're going to cover the content as if you were doing the two-year Bible plan by reading the verses for the designated day, Wednesday, September the 20th. Now, in our devotional here, we're going to make the notes, but when you do the two-year Bible reading plan, you're going to read for about seven to ten minutes a day of the Bible reading, which is what the reading would normally cover, and followed by about five to eight minutes of time in prayer and meditation over the words and the verses you've just read. And that's why we call it a 15-minute devotional. That's the reason for the name of the program. Uh, We encourage everyone to just keep after it, keep after it as far as studying and meditating on God's Word. Of course, you can read more than the typical 15 minutes per day uh, of time as far as the Bible is concerned, but this is a good way to establish habits, and that's why we do our program. So we appreciate you being here for that. Let's go ahead and get started. The passages for Wednesday, September the 20th, 2023, we're going to cover today are 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 25, John chapter 6, verses 53 to 71, Psalm 107, and we're going to read verses 1 to 32. That's a long version of the Psalms, but you'll kind of see what we get uh, get at when we look at this uh, particular thing here, and Proverbs 23, verse 23, one verse. So let's go ahead and get started and get into this with a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for this time that you've given to us to sit now quietly and hear you speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the teaching. We thank you for the wisdom that we can get from what you're giving to us. We give you all the praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, let's get started. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 25. 1 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 25. And essentially, this passage is the farewell address that Samuel is giving. He is essentially the judge uh, over uh, the Israelites at this particular time. And there's going to be a transition that takes place here now, a transition of leadership, where Saul, who was chosen to be the king uh, of Israel, uh, is now going to be the one who is going to take over the authority. So let's go ahead and do the farewell address. Start with verse 1 and read through to verse 25. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. And Samuel addressed all Israel, I have done as you have asked and given you a king. Your king is now your leader. I stand here before you, an old gray-haired man, and my sons serve you. I have served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. 
Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one. Whose ox or donkey have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe and perverted justice? Tell me and I will make right whatever I have done wrong. Verse 4. No, they replied. You have never cheated or oppressed us and you have never taken a single bribe. The Lord and his anointed one are my witnesses today, Samuel declared that my hands are clean. Yes, he is a witness, they replied. It was the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, Samuel continued. He brought your ancestors out of the land of Egypt. Now stand here quietly before the Lord as I remind you of all the great things the Lord has done for you and your ancestors. When the Israelites were in Egypt and cried out to the Lord, he sent Moses and Aaron to rescue them from Egypt and to bring them into this land. But the people soon forgot about the Lord their God, so he handed them over to Sisera, the commander of Hazor's army, and also to the Philistines and to the king of Moab, who fought against them. They, then they cried to the Lord again and confessed, We have sinned by turning away from the Lord and worshiping the images of Baal and Ashtaroth. But we will worship you and you alone if you will rescue us from our enemies. Then the Lord sent Gideon, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel to save you, and you lived in safety. But you, when you were afraid of Nas, Nahash, excuse me, the king of Ammon, you came to me and said that you wanted a king to reign over you, even though the Lord your God was already your king. All right, here is the king that you have chosen. You have asked for him, and the Lord has granted your request. Now, if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. Verse 16. Now stand here and see the great thing the Lord is about to do. You know that it does not rain at this time of year during the wheat harvest. I will ask the Lord to send you thunder and rain today. Then you will realize how wicked you have been in asking for, asking the Lord for a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people were terrified of the Lord and of Samuel. Pray to the Lord your God for us, or we will die, they all said to Samuel. For we, now we have added us to our sins by asking for a king. Don't be afraid, Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong. But make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and don't turn your back on him. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. As for me, I will certainly not sin against the Lord by ending my prayers for you. And I will continue to teach you what is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. But if you continue to sin, and your, you and your king will be swept away. All right, that's 1 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 25. And we see this is a transforming of power. And, of course, Samuel sets up the, the entire uh, transition of power by remarking and, and remembering, testifying to people that, he has not been unfaithful whatsoever. He has been very faithful as a judge for the people of Israel. He hasn't done anything wrong. 
his sons were not obedient to to him or to what was supposed to take place, but he made it very, made it very clear about his integrity, and he also made it very clear to that of the history of the Israelites, the the tendencies of the people to uh, continue to walk away from the Lord, go away from the Lord, not follow him, um, worship other gods, all of those things. That's what Samuel was pointing out here as well, too, giving them a brief reminder of their history as a people. And that when they did call on the Lord, the Lord, indeed, in fact, indeed did rescue them, take care of them, welcome them back into fellowship. But he's reminding them that, that because they asked for this king, King Saul, they made it a declaration that they really did not want to follow the Lord because the Lord was their king. That was the whole point of this exercise. And they needed to see that they indeed had sinned. So when Samuel called upon the rain to fall, and the rain did fall at a time when it was very rare or scarce for it to take place, the people recognized that they had sinned once again and they had done something they shouldn't have done. But I think it's reassuring to a degree that as long as they remained obedient to the Lord and uh, to his ways, there wouldn't be any problems. Now, of course, this sets it up where we know that the people did not remain obedient. We're going to see a lot of that communication in, in the psalm we're going to read later in Psalm 107. Um, but, but look at the, the history, the, the re repetitive nature of the people of Israel always falling to sin. And I think we need to recognize something very important here. The people had a tendency to sin and fall away from the Lord because that's the nature of our flesh, our fleshliness. Our fleshliness carries us away from the Lord. We have to make a conscious effort to recognize who the Lord is and who Jesus Christ is and for our time. And we have to make a conscious effort to go back to him because we are always having the tendencies to want to sin and really take greater consideration for who we are and what we're all about rather than give consideration as to who Jesus is. So Samuel's just giving us, giving us this as a reminder, and he's never going to go completely away. Uh, he's going to always be there for them if they decide to seek after him and draw upon his wisdom and guidance. May we always take that same approach, too, when we deal with, um, for example, people in our church who have been around for a while, who have been around the block. They know what it is to uh, always continue to seek the Lord and, and make sure that we're doing those things. It's very important for us to recognize as we look at this passage. Um, and I think that it's important for us to see that when we get into the next passage in, in, in John, when we're going to look at the reading there, how Jesus is speaking very, uh, very clearly uh, about how we need to recognize him as Lord and Savior because of what he did for us on the cross. So we'll see this in about another minute or two. But keep in mind that Samuel was indeed a very, very in, interesting, unusual character. And his life was always in the public view. He had been there uh, at the temple uh, worshiping the Lord uh, very early on in his life. And now he's saying he's an old man. He's he, he has now he's done his time and he's performed his service. And as even when the people had asked for a new king to come into play here, uh, rather than, you know, looking to the Lord, Samuel was heartbroken about that request and sought the Lord and asked him. And the Lord had reminded him, they've rejected me as king. It's not anything that you've done. It's nothing more or less than that. It's just a matter of the fact that 
They were just not content. They wanted to be like other nations around them, having their own kings. And so the Lord granted that request. But the Lord's faithfulness would determine, um, of course, as long as they were obedient to him, there wouldn't be any problems with it. Um, we're going to find out later, of course, that was not the case. So just keep that in mind for the reading uh, for 1 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 25. Now let's go over to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 53 to 71. John chapter 6, verses 53 to 71. <clears throat> this is a continuation of the rhetoric that Jesus is giving um, to uh, the crowd and the, the different individuals who are speaking to him. Let me get to verse 53. And so if you were doing the reading today, this is where you would be picking up in that particular section. John chapter 6, verse 53. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Verse 54. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who would betray him. And he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve who would later betray him. So what we're seeing here in this passage, that was John chapter 6, verses 53 through 61, or 71, excuse me, 53 through 71. Now what we're seeing here in this passage, of course, Jesus is giving us not uh, something where we're talking about cannibalizing him. When he's talking about, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life with him. He is referring to his crucifixion. He is referring to when he goes to the cross. He is referring to his death on the cross. And what's going to happen? His, he's giving up his flesh. He's giving up his body. Uh, he's giving up his blood because the blood's going to be shed. Uh, that's what's going to take place uh, in the process of him going to the cross and being on the cross itself. But this is necessary to take place because it means everything about eternal life in Jesus. 
the very nature of him sacrificing of himself means that me, you and I, everybody that you know who acknowledges Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in the same way Peter did late in this passage, we will have eternal life in heaven because of exactly of what we've done, uh, what he has done, excuse me, for us on the cross and the fact that we acknowledge what he has done on the cross. Not about physical eating and drinking. It's about understanding what he was doing. Remember, verse 58 says, I am the true bread who came down from heaven, the bread of life. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate manna, but will live forever. It's a different type of bread. It's a bread, not a bread so much for nourishment, but a bread representing eternal life because we believe in him. And of course, we see now the separation when we get to verse 60 and beyond that. We'll see the separation where Jesus had many followers, but uh, it came down to only about 12, the 12 remaining. Uh, and even then, he acknowledged that one of them was a devil that he had chosen. So the fact that um, when we look, in, look at verse 64, I want to remind everyone of this as well, too. It's very important. But some of you do not believe me. That's what Jesus said, because he already knows of the group that's following him there. And for, the, for that matter, for anyone else uh, who is alive uh, on earth. Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who would betray him, who would not regard him, not would pay would not pay attention to what he do, what he did, what he's going to represent. And the bottom line is that that's when we saw in verse 66 at this point many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. These were people who were following him for quite some time. They decided they couldn't accept his teaching. They couldn't accept what he was saying. Uh, about who he was and what he who he represented and what he represented when it came to our salvation, eternal life, and all that. And I appreciate what Peter said. Lord, to whom do we go? You have the words that give eternal life. He's saying exactly what is true. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. We have to believe. In order to believe that Jesus is our Lord, he has, we have to believe he is Lord and Savior He's the one that comes from God. He is the one who is being obedient to God. He is the one who is giving his life on the cross for us because God uh, told him that's what he needed to do, and he was being obedient to the Father. And so we recognize that, but all of us, everyone there was following him except for uh, Judas, Judas Iscariot. Uh, he is, of course, the one who's going to betray him later, and that's what is referred to in verse 71. So... We want to keep in mind that Jesus is telling us, giving us information to reflect why he came, why he was there, what he was there to represent. And he was letting them know, for those who don't understand or who didn't understand at the time, that he, this whole thing about what he is doing, he's making a sacrifice for us. And of course, we know the disciples were still in a learning mode. They didn't really understand it completely. Uh, it was a matter of them just kind of kind of figuring it out, especially once Jesus actually did die on the cross, came back again, and then imparted the Spirit to help give them total enlightenment as to all the things he was teaching them. So it's important for us to see that. Okay, let's move to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, verses 1 to 32. <clears throat> now, for those of you who are following the two-year plan, you would note that 
I'm including verse 1 uh, in this passage. We would normally start at verse 4 for today. But we're including verse 1 just for the sake of context because I think it's helpful to do that since we're going to read all these verses. So let's go ahead and get started. And by the way, I neglected to mention, I apologize for that, but I neglected to mention that we are reading from the New Living Translation for all of these passages. That is typical. That's what we normally do. But uh, my apologies for not mentioning that sooner. Let's start with Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east to west and from north to south. From north to south, excuse me. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. Verse 13, Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Lord, let them, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools. They rebelled and suffered for their sins. They couldn't stand the thought of food, and they were knocking on death's door. Verse 19, Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love for the wonderful things he has done for them. Verse 22, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Some went off to sea in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They, too, observed the Lord's power in action. His impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. Verse 27. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Verse 28. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. Okay, so we see by looking at this particular passage that there is an ongoing mention here, back and forth, back and forth, about how the people moved away from the Lord, but they cried out for help, and the Lord responded. That's exactly the nature of the people of Israel. And and so this psalm is recognizing how God indeed uh, pardons, uh, renders the, the, the their sin forgiven by the fact that they're calling him out and asking for forgiveness, and he delivers the prisoners. He delivers the people. 
uh, it's just a matter of a pattern over and over again. And so we have to see that for what it truly is. And this is about the goodness of God. This is about the goodness of what he represents for us and what he does for us. So I hope that we can see that as we look at this passage. Amen. That's really what this is all about. His goodness. He will continually respond to us as we ask for forgiveness, ask for um, the Lord's blessing. As we turn to him and repent from our actions, he will respond time and again. He will always rescue them and save them. And that's what we as a people need to do. We need to always humble ourselves before the Lord and have an, a heart of repentance for the very things that we have been doing. Remember the fleshly tendencies, right? The fleshly tendency is for us to always gravitate to those things that are contrary to what the Lord would have us to do. And that's what we have to come back to and recognize as we look at this passage. We have one more to look at, and that's Proverbs 23, 23. Um, short and sweet passage, Proverbs 23, verse 23. Okay, it says, get the truth and never sell it. Also get wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. What we need to see here in this passage is very important. It was going to recognize, first of all, how God is teaching us about going after truth, going after what is true, going after what is necessary, the truth, and never sell it. First thing I think about is that, you know, you don't ever compromise the truth for the almighty dollar or, or for compensation. And, you know, sometimes you wonder if, <clears throat> not to get into politics, but we know that money drives politics, amen? And sometimes that money in driving politics, uh, there's a, a, a absence of truth or fairness or justice in some way, shape, or form that we have to recognize and look at. And prayerfully, we, we need to recognize that we never want to compromise our truth. And it's always wise to go after wisdom, discipline, and good judgment. Discipline is necessary in the world today because we need to make sure that we are always patient and we don't overreact or jump to conclusions, that we always want to recognize truth in that manner. That's what we want to always go after. Okay, so I hope that you can see what's being taught here when it comes to the importance of truth and recognizing God's goodness. And that is going to be our lesson for today for September the 20th, 2023. Let's go ahead and go ahead and close out with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, thank you again for your presence as we learn more about you through your word. And we learn more about who we are. Amen. We learn more about what we need to do as a people as we recognize how much uh, God indeed loves us, how much you love us, Lord, how much you uh, acknowledge who we are, how much you acknowledge that we indeed are not perfect and all you ask us to do is come back to you and recognize who you are in the process. And Lord, as you show us who we are, may we humble ourselves before you and recognize your goodness. And we thank you, Lord, for loving us before we even understood what love is. And we thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We appreciate you being here for today's 15-minute devotional. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.